Right, so we've been, just started last Sunday, a series looking at Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, Philippians, and uh, last week I spoke about, um, I spoke about uh, how Paul in the first chapter was writing to this church in Philippi from a prison cell, and he was writing a letter of encouragement to the church there. Um, around a, a number of things that are throughout the letter. Um, one of them is that they're in a, in a, in a culture where they're coming under um, a bit of persecution um, because they're saying Jesus is Lord, and that's possibly the reason why Paul is in prison as well. And the, some of the other reasons that they're coming under uh, conflict in their community is around some um, false teaching. And then a, another big area is around disunity. So um, this has been a, a great church. They've been founded by some really amazing faithful people, which you can read about in Acts. And in this letter, Paul um, talks about unity. And he talks about um, being, you know, like, this is, this is important sort of thing. And he, there's even two women who are in the church who are some significant women there that he, he says he's telling them to, he urges them to, to think the same thing in the Lord. So he's encouraging to be of one heart and one mind and one soul. And so, yeah, today I just wanted to, to, to touch on, uh, I'm going into chapter 2, and I'm just talking around, um, as Paul's now like sort of talking to this church, this kind of sense of encouragement about um, how to continue to do life and how to do the, the Christian life, that he, he gives this great example that we can follow as Christians. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Philippians 2, verse uh, 1 to 4, or 1 to 11, sorry. So this is Paul writing, he says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. There's Paul again, like I said last week, 16 times throughout this whole letter, he uses the word joy or rejoice. There's this heart of joy that's coming through the whole time, and he's saying, look, guys, make my joy even better by, you know, having these attributes about you in your community by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. If you've got a King James Bible, it'll be saying vain glory. Uh, rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Carrying on into verse 5. So he goes, he sets that all up, like, you know, like, this is, this is, you know, this is the way you should be, guys, as a community. This is who you should be like. And then he cranks into verse 5. He says, Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's Paul's sort of mic drop moment there. 
It, it is, it, I, I know pastors and ministers always say this, and I probably say this a million times, but this is one of my favorite passages of the Bible. Like, it really is. It's just such a beautiful, like, um, sort of encapsulating what, the, what Jesus did for us, who he is, what his heart is. And it's actually interesting because Paul's actually used here, they believe this is a, um, was a, potentially a hymn that people in the church, were, people were singing or, or proclaiming, like a poem or a hymn that was being used maybe in their services. And, it's, and I just think, man, what beautiful theology that these guys had as they're worshipping, that they're saying these things. Like it's just this beautiful example of what Jesus is and what he has done. Now, the, the big theme that is in there is around humility. And um, I don't know about you, but um, I'm... I'm I, I tend to tend to humiliate myself a lot in life. Did, did any of you have that same problem? <laughs> I don't do it deliberately. I seem to do it by accident, but I, I, I seem to keep humbling myself in so many ways. And uh, one, of the, one of the worst ones I've done, and, and you may have done this in some way or form, have you ever, have you ever like, you know, sent an email and then you're like, no, 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 that's not meant to go there. And you're trying to like stop it before it goes. And then you're like looking for a Google, like how do you make that email come back or stop them from reading it at the other end? Or you put an attachment on something and no, 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 that wasn't meant to go. Or maybe it was a, a text message that you sent that wasn't meant to go to that person. One of my most humbling moments as a, as a, as a, as a man and as a person was uh, I, I, one of my best friends uh, asked me to um, pick him up from the airport. Um, we, we, we were down in Christchurch, and he said, oh, could you pick me up from the airport? And I'd done it a number of times because we lived near the airport. And I was on the other side of town, and I was doing this busy job, and I was, I was, it was a hot day, and I was, I was really grumpy. And I kind of get, I got a little bit annoyed about having to do this all the time because we lived by the airport, and people used to always ask us to do it. Oh, can you go pick us up and drop them off? And so I'd built this kind of resentment, you know, to have to keep doing this all the time. And instead of just saying, I can't do it, um, I got grumpy about it. And then I wrote a text to someone else complaining about that person saying, oh, flip, this person's making me have to go pick them up. I can't believe they keep doing this. And, and then um, I, 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 it was one of those moments where I, I, I looked at my phone and saw it like going and like, no, stop, please stop, God, stop this phone, like, please stop this somehow in cyberspace, stop this text message going through, but it did. And so it went through to my friend and he got the text and uh, I tried to do my best to... <laughs> fix the situation, I, I rang him uh, sort of straight away and sort of said, oh, I'm so sorry, man, Brr, trying to explain myself. And he was pretty, he was pretty grumpy at that point. Um, thankfully, he, he still forgave me later on and we're still friends, uh, which is a testament to him, I think, <laughs> rather than me. But I, I, I say all that to say that, that, that maybe like, like me, you, you, have, you seem to humble yourself, not deliberately, that it seems to happen because you're doing things wrong or you're making a mistake. But the, the point I want to make here that, that Paul's making to the church in Philippi and to these people is, is that Jesus um, deliberately humbled himself. He deliberately humiliated himself. And let, let, just, let's, let's just go through this because it's just so beautiful. Sorry. I'll get Johnny to do it. So this is in the first... Um, First part here, it says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. 
even though he was in the form of God, and um, this is a, this is a, this is a, there's a lot of ink that's been spilt about this, um, what, what all these words mean, but, but basically um, our English language doesn't really do it justice because the Greek word there for form is morphe, which actually means substance or nature. So it's actually, it should really say was in the very nature God, because that's what Jesus is. Okay, he's not, he actually is the, the same as the Father, same as the Holy Spirit. He's the Trinity are all one and, and all the same. So he's not, you know, like he's, he's not just like in the shape of God, he is God. Um, so though he was God, although he was in the very nature of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So this is, this is the heart of God, and this is the heart of the Trinity, is that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are in perfect unity and perfect self-giving love to one another. They're not grasping after things. They're giving to one another. And what Paul's saying here is even though he had, like, he had this amazing position as the king of the universe, you know, over not just the earth, but, you know, a whole universe. He, 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 didn't, he didn't try and seize power or take over. He was part of the Trinity. He was in union with the Holy Spirit and the Father, and he was willing to, to, to go on this journey down to earth to, to become a man and to live amongst us. He was willing to do that. He didn't, he didn't seize after things he, he, he gave, you know, we see with Lucifer, even though he wasn't part of the Trinity, he was one of the high angels, and he grasped after power, didn't he? He grasped after power, and a, and a third of the angels went with him because he grasped after this thing, he wanted it. And we see it in the Bible story, don't we, as well? We see Adam and Eve, like, going after the fruit, grasping, wanting stuff. And we see it right through all the the, the, the narrative, the story of Scripture is this, in human nature is this thing of wanting and grasping and going after things. Um, I'm always amazed by these, um, next slide, thanks, Johnny, uh, these uh, Black Friday sales they have around all the world, you know, like it's, it's like this big date where it's like, yeah, it's like massive sales, it's like biggest bargains you can get. Um, this is a photo in Brazil, and just like people just going nuts, like grasping after TVs and products and fighting with one another for these things. It's like, it's the, that's the heart of, of humanity, isn't it? Is, is wanting to take all the time, wanting to grasp. And if any of you have been parents, you know that, that even children from an early age will grasp, don't they? <laughs> They'll take, or that, that's mine, or, or that's my toy, or I want this food. Or, and, 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 and a job of a parent is to actually teach your children to share. It's actually to teach your children to think of others and to, to give. Um, our natural inclination is to try to grasp and go after things for our own benefit. That's our, that's our general nature. So, so Jesus didn't grasp after things. He actually he, he, he gave of himself. He, 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 free, he released to, to the plan that God had, you know, to come down and save humanity. Next slide, Johnny. It says in verse 7, But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Again, uh, a lot of ink has been spilled about what this means. Um, it, it doesn't mean that, 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 that Jesus wasn't God when he was on, on the earth. It just means that he kind of um, chose to limit himself from using all the powers that he, he could use. So in a sense, it meant that he could fully experience being human. Um, so he would, could be hungry, he could be sad, he could be lonely, you know, 
that he actually fully experienced what it meant to be human, even though he could have used all these powers that he had. He chose, voluntarily chose to limit himself, but he was fully God and fully man. And one of the best interpretations I like about um, of this is, is that in a sense of emptying himself, it wasn't that he was losing his powers or divine attributes, it was that he was pouring himself into humanity. He was pouring himself into the world. As he poured himself into that human form, he was, he was coming down. As, um, as Eugene Peterson says, um, you know, Jesus moved into the neighborhood. You know, he became a neighbor, one of us. He poured himself into humanity and lived amongst us. And I, that, just, that in itself is just mind-boggling, isn't it? That, you know, this is the God of the universe. He created everything, became a baby. Just became a, a helpless baby. Like the most helpless, you know, if we think about what's the most vulnerable and most helpless, you know, a baby would be one of the highest sort of most vulnerable um, sort of people out there in there, as well as like maybe very elderly people. He became that he became so vulnerable he had to be cared for he had to be looked after he was he was he he took on that humility that incredible humility and even more than that he he continued to humble himself so you know jesus lived for 33 years but 30 years like almost i think it's like 90% of his life he lived in utter obscurity we only have like one little story about him rocking up at the temple when he's like 10 or something. But for 30-odd years, it's just like radio silence. For 30-odd years, he lived in utter obscurity. The king of the universe, the God who created everything, was working away with his dad, building decks in first-century Palestine or lean-tos or something. I don't know, like, like faithfully living in obscurity, the God of the universe. How cool is that? Like, you know, that... Like you think about your neighbours or something or someone around you, that, that, that God lived like that, just someone just in the neighbourhood, just doing life. Not, he didn't do any miracles or sort of supernatural things. He was just doing life in utter obscurity. This is how much God has humbled himself and brought himself so low. But more than that, he poured himself out in ministry to these 12 disciples and these people, and then he, he even poured himself out to the point of death. He said, obedient to even the cross. And to the, you know, to the readers of that time, that would have been absolutely shocking. You know, in Roman society, and Philippi was a Roman city, you know, the most shameful death you could have would to be die on a cross. No Roman citizen was allowed to be crucified. It was too shameful so it was reserved for criminals and slaves. And, that, you know, we translate the word servant, where it says, but emptied himself, but taking the form of a servant. The actual Greek word doulos means slave. He became a slave. He became the lowest of the low. And more than that, even he died this death, this shameful death for, for, for the world. That's, that's how far God has come. And that, that is encouraging to think that the God of the universe would do that, would come all the way from there to becoming a human, to living a life of obscurity, to going to the cross. It means that for us, no matter how far we're away from God, 
It shows the depths of God's love that he would go to those points and how humble and a heart of humility he has that he could do that for us. And it says like, the writer of Hebrews says that, you know, like, you know, we have a high priest who can sympathize with with life, (laughs) with what it's like, because he's lived in this world as a human. He knows pain. He knows suffering. He knows humiliation. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. Yet he still went to the cross. It says in Hebrews as well, but for the joy set before him, which is us, and our salvation, us being part of his family, he endured the cross. He went through all that for us. And then we have this, um, yeah, next slide, sorry, Johnny. I'll keep going. Keep going. Next one. Then we have this great uh, finishing line of this. Jesus went through all of that, all of that humility, humiliation, for us, and then he was exalted. This is the good news, you know. He went through all of that, not just a, as, a, as, a, as a, a terrible sacrifice that was for nothing, but no, he broke the power of sin and death, and then the Father lifted him up. Therefore, God has highly exalted and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, he's elevated as, as, as the Lord of all creation because that's who he is. He is the Lord of Lords, King of the universe, this wonderful Lord over all creation. And I wanted to, um, as, as I sort of um, come to close this morning, I'm just doing a short message. I wanted to just encapsulate that in a sense of us as a community because Paul is writing about this example of, of Jesus Christ um, because he's wanting to actually get these guys to, he says prior to this, have the same mind of Christ Jesus who did this. So he's saying, like, here is the example of how to live your life by giving to others, by laying down your life, by serving one another. Then you will find, you know, true life and true freedom. And, and he he gives this exemplar of Jesus so that they, so that, you know, they can like follow, man, this is what, Je- this is what God's done for us. How, how could we not do this for one another, right? And I, I think this is sometimes the problem, like, you know, when we look at the Sermon on the Mount as well, is that we look at Jesus and we're like, man, but you're so perfect and so awesome, you can do that, so we'll just let you do your thing, Jesus. But, you know, Jesus actually says, no, like, you know, he wants us to do what he's done. And yeah, we're not going to do it perfectly because we're broken people and we've got, you know, issues and stuff we're working through, sanctification, hallelujah. But it doesn't mean that we're not meant to live like Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit actually helps us to be like Jesus in our weaknesses. So we have to first, you know, be with Jesus and have time with him because he works on our heart. And then as we're with Jesus, we're going to be like him because the, all the all the the stuff about us that all the brokenness of us is going to start falling off, and Jesus is going to heal that, and then we're going to start doing what He did through the power of the Spirit, not through our own efforts. Uh, next slide. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this: uh, "The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community, but the person who loves those around them will create community." 
And I think a, a lot of us have, um, you know, I'm guilty of this too, a lot of us have like kind of these like fairy tale romantic ideas of community, like, oh, it's great and it's awesome and everyone's having a good time and it's a, it's a big party and stuff and, wow, this is what we've been living for, this is what I want sort of thing. And, you know, maybe you've seen it in movies or TV shows or maybe you've seen it when you've gone to an event and you're like, oh, this is what community's about, I love this sort of thing. But the reality of community is that it's hard, eh? It's worth it, but it's hard. Relationships are worth it, but they're hard. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said at, at a wedding one time, he said to, um, he said to this couple, he said, your, your love will not sustain this marriage. Your marriage, your relationship will sustain your love. So what he was saying is like, if you committed to one another, if you lay down your life for one another, it will sustain your love. Because we're fickle beings, our feelings come and go, right? But if we have a, a relationship and connection and devotion to one another, it will sustain the love that we have. And I, I love that because the person who loves those around them will create community. And, you know, here at Kōrimako, um, we're not all alike, and that's awesome. I love that. I want to suggest that if you're in a church or a home group or something like that, where everyone's exactly the same as you, thinks exactly the same as you, comes from exactly the same background and all that sort of stuff, you, you're, you're probably not really in a healthy, diverse environment. We're meant to be different. This is what the church is meant to be. We're meant to have different views and perspectives and opinions. But the thing that binds us together is our love of Jesus isn't it? and each other. That's, that, that's, the, that's, the, that's the secret source, is, is our love of Jesus and our love for one another. And if you've, and if you've got an ideal, idealistic version of community that doesn't have that realistic aspect of sacrificial love, of, of thinking of others, you won't be willing to go past those, those differences of opinion. And I think, sadly, in a lot of churches and organizations these days, people just opt out, eh? Like, if someone, they disagree with someone or they have some fallout, they're just like, nah, I'm out. Off-ramp, I'm out of here, you know? Um, but love and commitment, you know, and, and Christ, true Christian community is like, nah, I'm going to see this thing through. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I love this person even though I disagree with them, or I, 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 you know, I love this community even though some aspects of it I don't agree with or something, like, this is what, like, true community is about, and this is one of our values here at Kōrimako is whanaungatanga, it's about deep, you know, family-like relationships, and as many of you are from families, you'll know that not everyone gets along in a family, right? Like, brothers and sisters can scrap and have problems and difficulties and you know, not see eye to eye, but, you know, it, if you're a healthy family, you love each other, and you, and you get past those things, and you, you look out for one another, and you sacrifice for one another. And this is what, this is, this is the heart of, of Jesus. Uh, next slide, just as I come into close. In John 17, this is just as Jesus is about to go to the cross. This is called the high priestly prayer, and this, this is basically his final instructions to the disciples before he's about to go to the cross, and he, and he goes into this big prayer to the Father, and, he, and, and you know, he's saying all these things. And he says in verse 23, he says, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. How cool is that? Like, basically what Jesus is saying is that the love that you have in you guys, like in you, 
because of me, because of abiding in my love, John 15, you know, remain in me, remain in my love. The love that you have in me, that the, the Father and the Son have, Jesus and the Father have, that we have if we abide in him, he's saying that will be the testimony to the world of, of me. That will be the testimony that this is true, that this is, this is the church, this is, this is what it's all about. And, and like, you know, like, I, I just thought that's so, when I was reading that, I, again, I, I'm blown away by it, because it's like, it's not going to be um, massive signs and miracles and wonders, even though we still want to contend for those things. The main thing will be our love for one another. And I, I just think that the, the, the very thing that our society needs at the moment is love, is, 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 is to be welcomed in and embraced and to be um, shown the love of the Father, to be brought home. I think people are longing to have a prodigal son moment where the Father just brings them home. They're, they're searching for it in so many places. Um, St. Augustine said that, you know, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in, in him, in Jesus. And I think that's what's going on. People got restless hearts. They're, they're looking for, for love and community in lots of different places. And the Father, what, you know, what Jesus is saying here is that, you know, like, if we get this right, if we have this love in our hearts like this and, 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 and show that as a community, even though we're all different and we don't all agree, that that's going to be so, so attractive to the world. Like, that's what's going to attract the world. That's what's going to bring people home, prodigals home, and people who don't even know Jesus home is this, this love that we have. We will demonstrate it as the body of Christ. And so how do, we, how do we do that as I finish this morning? Well, as I said earlier, we've just got to be with Jesus. We've got to spend time with him because he, he softens our hearts, right? If we try and grit our teeth and do the fruit of the Spirit on our own, it's, it's hard work, eh? <laughs> I, 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 you know, I'm not very good when I do it my, out of my own flesh. I, you know, it, it's just, I'm, I'm gritting my teeth to be, to be like Jesus then. But when I do it, when I let Jesus melt my heart, when He softens me, when He helps me to see, uh, I just see the world in a different way. I see people in a different way. So when we, we it's, it's like I said last week, it's that spending time with Jesus. It's it's carving out time to be. We can't not afford to be with Him. We need to be with Him, have Him in our life, throughout our days, throughout the weeks. And then it's then it's being like Him. You know, it's actually um, modeling that peace and that self-giving love in our workplaces and in our homes and our communities. Um, it, it might be, you know, how, like I talked about earlier, like the way of the world is to grasp and to look out for yourself. It might be a, an act this week you do in your workplace or where you study or something where you, like an act where you, you basically go, go out of your way to help someone, just sacrificially, just give them something or take some work off their desk or something that that's just you didn't have to do but you just do it to bless them and they're just blown away like whoa you know <laughs> you did this for me like why you know oh I just want to help you out you look like you're in trouble or something um it could be um it, you know in your family or your friends just just looking out for one another and, the, and in church as well um I think you know we've we've as a community as Kurimako we've actually done a lot of this really well We've had a really lovely family environment from the start, and a lot of people actually 
um, have shared that with us, that feedback that they really feel welcomed and they feel like it's, it feels like a family here, which I love and I want to continue. But I, I guess like a lot of things, that, that kind of family and community can leak. You've got to be quite intentional about it because um, our natural inclination is to go back looking after ourselves, isn't it? I'm, I'm guilty of that as the next person. And so we have to be intentional when we're gathering on Sundays. Um, it's one of, you know, taking communion together, worshipping together, um, getting prayed for, having a cup of tea after the service and some food. Like That's why that stuff's so important. That's why we do it. It's, it's, it's not just because we're really thirsty or need to have food. Maybe that as well sometimes. Um, but we actually do it for a reason. That's whanaungatanga. That's spending time with one another. Um, you know, and, and I'd encourage you, you know, maybe, maybe you struggle to, to text or to, you know, call people, but, you know, do it this week. Give someone a text or a call. Just encourage them. How are you doing? It doesn't have to be complicated. Uh, check in on people. Like, ask someone out for coffee or have someone back for a meal. Like, it's so countercultural. But this is the, this is the self-giving sacrificial love that God calls us into. And, and if you do that, you get more out of it. You know, as Jesus said, it's blessed is to give than to receive, you know. Like, we get more out as we give to each other. All right, why don't we stand? I just thought as we finish today, um, and we're going to St. Mark's, and, you know, it's only two Sundays away, I thought it'd be great if we could just, as a church, just pray uh, that we could be continue to do that as a community, that we continue to be um, a place of hope and a place of, of love, a community that reaches out into Awapuni and into that area, and that people would come in and they would experience that love. Uh, in some, some sense that people would almost belong before they believe, um, that they would join the family and then they'd meet Jesus so um, I'm just going to start in prayer, but I, I reckon it'd be great if just a couple of us could just pray out loud to just dedicate uh, our church as we're going into this time of transition and, and of, of what God could do through us as we, as we pour ourselves out into this community.